0: Deciphering our little ones can take many forms. Our guest today shares some of the practical strategies she teaches to parents and teachers that will give you some new ways to respond to and understand your growing boys. And Jen and I often talk about parenting being its own very personal growth journey. So get ready to hear some new insights that may shift your own ways of thinking and your habitual reactions with your kids. Stay tuned for On Boys.
1: I like cute clothes, I like having stylish outfits, and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoir.style/slash That's armoir.style, A R M O I R E, dot style/slash to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Welcome to On Boys Parenting Podcast, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison, founder of boysalive.com. I don't know about you, but one of the most stressful things that I deal with on a nearly daily basis is what to make for supper.
0: I was just going to ask you, what's for supper tonight, Jen?
1: I don't know. I have no idea. It's almost noon, my time. I don't know. I need help in this department, and that is why I'm so thrilled that Cozy now has meal ideas, recipes right in the app that I can look at. I can add ingredients straight to my list and I can meal plan on my calendar for the week.
0: Okay. Let's back up. Cozy is an app that helps you get organized calendars, doctor's appointments. And I think one of the best things as you're saying is Grocery lists, your kids can add items to the grocery list and you can stand there in the grocery store going, Oh my gosh, what am I making for dinner tonight? Pull up Cozy and there's recipes and ingredients and you are ready to go.
1: Anything that makes my life easier and is on my phone, which is with me almost all the time, fantastic. Cozy, go to the app store, you can set up an account, you can add all of your children. You can add your spouse. Anybody can add to the grocery list. You know, they all have their phones on them anyway. That's for sure. Coordinate and communicate.
0: It's Cozy, C-O-Z-I. Download it from your app store and meal planning just got so much easier. And now
1: on boys.
0: Just this week alone, I have heard from parents who have said their children are not obeying, not listening, yelling with blood-curdling screams, saying horrible things like, nobody loves me and I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I don't have any friends, complaining, back talk. their child is hitting, kicking, pinching, punching. Does any of this sound familiar, dear listeners? And you know, we also, along the way, get in our own way. Oftentimes, we wanted to bring on today's guest who has practical strategies, solutions, always looking like behind what's underneath that behavior, how we can get out of our own way and help our children be the best they can be. Of course, that's what we want as their parents, as their teachers. So I'm so excited to bring you Amy Williams. She is the owner of the Amy Williams Academy She offers inspired educational solutions to parents, teachers, and school leaders, and she's got a whole whole lot more going on that I'll let her tell you about. Hi, Amy. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for
2: having me. I'm so happy to be here and excited to see what I can do to offer and put
0: out there. So you are also a counselor and you have some movement background also, which I think is primary when we work with kids. In addition to Amy Williams
2: Academy, I get to be the school counselor counselor at the Portland Montessori school, which means I, you know, I collaborate with teachers I do observations in the classroom. I get to work directly with children who are really struggling and work with parents to figure out, oh gosh, how can I get my kid to quit hitting me or to stop biting their friends or to just go to sleep for heaven's sakes, (laughs) help. So those kinds of practical solutions are often what families are looking for. Like I just need to get my kid to get out of the car, help. yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) help get this kid out of the car and of course we want the best for our child along the way and i would say probably by and large most parents right now are depleted
1: we're just
0: i am tired are yes. you
1: yeah i am i mean you all are <laughs> right we've all been doing weird pandemic stress stuff changes in work changes in education on top of all the stress of regular parenting it's Hi. been going on two years yes we're depleted Right. Yeah. We're depleted and get this, I think
2: we figured is this a is this the new way that things are supposed to be? And yeah. why am I not why am I not nailing parenting? I've been doing this for 2 years and I still feel this way and I need to overcome that. And it it can be an impossible ask or near impossible ask if we don't just take the take a minute to ah, take a deep breath. Take what a deep if,
0: breath. Give mm-hmm. ourselves grace. Absolutely. We are, by and large, as parents, pretty hard on ourselves.
2: Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so so much so that our minds keep going and going and going, and then we don't get enough sleep, and we're not drinking any water, or we're not moving our body, and then it's morning again, and we, we start the same cycle over yeah. again, waking up depleted.
1: I know that our listeners can relate to that. You know, when, when your alarm goes off in the morning, your kids wake up in the morning, and you don't even want to get out of bed because you know there's no way you're going to get done everything that needs to get done. You felt like you failed yesterday. Yay, let's do it all again. Yeah, <laughs> it starts all over. The same thing happens. They
2: come and bounce on the bed and are screaming because they have the wrong color cup. And they're bring our children are bringing their own stress and what's going on in this world or this is the world that I know it. Many of our young children, this is most of what they know about their lives. They haven't been on the planet very long and the planet's been a little wonky for a while. (laughs) So that's what they know.
1: Is step one simply, you know, recognizing that we're not doing as bad as we think we are and breathing before we even get into strategies with our kids? Absolutely. I, I find
2: that it's as a parent and as an educator and as a coach, I find that when I see teachers and parents and I see myself just stop a second and give myself a minute or less even to take a deep breath to say, I'll be right back. I'm going to go in here and go and get some water or go get make a cup of tea. And if the tantrum is happening over there, if there's no blood or brain or bones happening, then you can take a minute to go and fill yourself so that you could come back and be that parent that you want to be and not be the parent who is at that high stress, high dysregulated state, right? Our children need us to be regulated. And when we don't take our own self into consideration and have respect for ourselves as a person, and know how to regulate ourselves, then our children won't see that happen. So we could role model for children. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm going to go get a cup of tea. I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they could see us go from dysregulation to regulation, Mm -hmm. from being off the chain (laughs) to (sighs) settled again.
0: And I want to just note here that you are encouraging parents to separate from this child who may be screaming on the floor maybe, you know, throwing blocks or tearing something apart, but there is that moment that you can take, as you said, unless there's blood and bones and brains, we want (laughs) to note that. Call the ambulance then. Yes. And there, there is that moment of just like, of taking that pause. And it might just be that you stand there and you close your eyes and you take three deep breaths and then you, and then you enter in. So let's talk about other ways that we get in our own way, Mm -hmm. start there at that level. And then we'll, we'll promise you listeners, we'll get down to some real practical. What do I do? Sure. They can fall into
2: one of four categories and there's kind of a fifth one that hangs out there that we'll get to. Well, there are ways that we get in our own way. And often these ways that we get in our own way are are learned. So we learn how to do that from people who have parented us, who were the important adults in our lives growing up. It could be a teacher or an aunt or grandma, or grandpa, mom, or dad, older sibling, younger sibling, right? So we learn how to be in relationship with each other from each other growing up. So oftentimes those habits that we've learned and that we've practiced and for whatever reason have served us, we perpetuate them. We keep doing them. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, (laughs) sometimes after a long while, we realize, this isn't working for any me anymore. What am I doing? I'm talking way too much again. Uh-huh. There it is. Let's talk about those four different kinds of ways. Four with a five and a little thought Ooh, bubble here. So curious about number five, but let's yeah, start with number one. <laughs> well, the first one, and I'll tell you about it first because it is mine. I have a sabotage superpower. I'm so good at this way of getting in my own way. I've got it down to a science. It's beautiful to see it happen. Not really, (laughs) but it's, I talk too much, right? So Mm -hmm. often in the heat of the moment or when the emotions are high on the part of my child and the part of me, whether it's time to go to bed, time to brush your teeth, time to pack up for, and get ready to go outside, to go to work or to go to school. You can often just talk way too much. Mm -hmm. And it's important to remember how old is your child that you're talking with? right? Oftentimes with an older child, you can use more words and more logic, right? As the brain is developing, right? And our younger children, we want to remember to use as few words as possible, be true and brief, right? This is what's going to happen, forecast what's going to happen, and then, and then stop, right? it's oh, the hardest part, Amy. It's so hard. And it's, it's great to practice with someone and you can even practice in the mirror. Or if you know somebody who um, who has this superpower sabotage under control or has had lots of practice
0: of just shutting up sometimes, mm-hmm. it's good to practice with someone else. Well, and also to observe dads, because dads actually do not talk as much as moms. And the other thing I want to plug in here, because I discovered this maybe a couple years ago that... Uh, Adults talk at about 170 words per minute. Children, Uh young children especially, can process words at about 125 words per minute. So guess what? We talk too much and we talk too fast for a young child to process. You know, what's a drag is that It makes things worse because what you're just
2: talking about, they can't process it. They can't help it. They're doing their best. They want to do well
1: if they can, right? Mm -hmm. If they have the skills, they will be able to do it, right? So they they get overwhelmed, I'm sure. Like if, if I travel to another country, like, I mean, I have a very rudimentary, rudimentary understanding of Spanish. I can read it and pretty much figure out what's going on. But when people around me are talking like their way over here and I'm still at the first three words of the sentence, trying to figure out what they were talking about.
0: That's <laughs> such a good example, Jen, because <laughs> right. we've all, probably all experienced that in our adult lives of what it feels to be overwhelmed by language. Right. And when we're in a what I call, it's
2: a dysregulated state, when we are not processing with our full frontal lobe and we're hearing all of these words come in and the stress level goes up we process even fewer words mm-hmm. right because we've all as adults been in, at the point where someone's talking and talking at us and we can't either understand or can't process right away because we're either sleepy or need another cup of coffee or something like or need to eat or go to mm-hmm. the bathroom right mm-hmm. those are ways, it's true mm-hmm. uh, it's ways that kind of keep us from being at our best same for our children If they're not well rested, if they're not, if they don't have food in their body, going to the bathroom seriously has an impact, has an impact in a child's ability to receive and process information, understand information, then process what they're going to say or how they're going to respond and then take the action to respond. And that's, that's complex.
0: That's a lot of
1: steps. And when you're three, that's so many, Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) or when you're
1: five, that's a a lot. You know how you mentioned practicing? This is something that could be fun, could be a bonding experience. Don't do it in a high stress moment. But if you have a teenage boy in your life, they are pros at helping edit down conversation. So you could just for fun be like, okay, I know that I talk way too much and give an example and be like, how would you do that? i mean you don't have to go into this whole thing you can just say school up yes how much they communicate with bruh that's (laughs) a whole paragraph in teenage boy talk (laughs) right
0: all right so that's sabotaging with too much talking what's the next one amy the
2: next one is procrastination this is mine is it oh god yes. yes We should just make cakes and wear them, right? And just embrace them. Say, so here, I'm doing that thing again. Procrastination, instead of acting that first time you see the behavior that's not working, first time you see a sibling punch another sibling, or you see even dishes left out when they know that the dishes go in the sink, right? If you know that they know what the expectation is and yet they don't do it, sometimes procrastination steps in and goes, uh, well. Okay, I just am too tired, or oh, it doesn't matter, or oh, it's okay.
1: I don't want to have this fight
2: now. We've been fighting all day. I'm not going to right. So we've we've decided that it's gonna be a fight, and it doesn't have to be a fight. It can be a conversation, right? Or it can be a reminder, a redirection, a comment versus When we get all jacked up and dysregulated, jacked up is another word for dysregulated. Okay. Just so listeners know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Amy Williams vernacular. Okay. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) True. I have I do have a set of vocabulary that slips in sometimes. When we choose to not enter into this again, then we could be procrastinating, right? If this becomes our pattern. And we see that as our pattern, then our child begins to understand, like, "Mm, okay, it's okay if I leave my dishes here or my laundry on the floor, or if I don't brush my brush my teeth, or if I take way too long to get in the car and now we're late. Right. So they're learning what the boundaries are from us. So procrastination can be, okay, I'm just gonna keep the peace tonight. And every now and then it's okay for that. And when you see that become a pattern. That's when you want to take a look at it and say, am I getting in my own way? Because I let it slide often, more often than it works for our family.
0: And this is the place where your kids get so good at knowing First time they say something doesn't mean anything. Second time, oh, there's that voice tone. There's that heightened, you know, maybe louder. Then they know, oh, dad means business. Mom means business. Then yes. they act. But we've trained our children to respond that way. Right. Think about the times we've said
2: at the park or at somebody's house or at anything. Okay, five more minutes. And then we're doing our thing and we're getting ready. Okay, okay, it's time to go. And then they resist or ignore. And then we just keep on going, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess I could do that thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Come back. Okay. Now it's time to go. And they know that, okay, it's maybe the third or fourth, or maybe even fifth time. Or like you said, Janet, when that voice tone gets a little more strained,
1: then that's when mom or dad need business. I liked something you said there, Amy, when I said, you know, I don't want to have this fight. You said, you've already decided there's going to be a fight and there's not necessarily going to be And one thing that I have learned as a lifelong procrastinator who is still working on this is so often procrastination is because we are forward projecting and assuming it's going to be terrible. Therefore, we don't want to do this thing. So we just don't. It's often an inaccurate perception, but we almost have to make it a point to deliberately pause and interrogate that rather than just doing it on automatic, which, you know, it's been a default. It's hard to break habits.
2: Right. Wouldn't it be interesting if at that moment, which is really difficult, but we could do it, we could do hard things, we can say, this is not going to be a fight. I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm going to take a deep breath or three deep breaths or go get some water or some tea or go for a walk around the block because I'm going to take care of myself so that I'm on my game and I'm not coming in with an anticipation that it's going to be, you know, Mm -hmm. a fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is not going to be a fight. Oh, your laundry goes in the laundry basket. Calm, cool, collected.
0: Neutral, neutral. Neutral. Yeah.
2: Which brings us to our third. Thank you for that beautiful segue. Oh, you're so welcome. It's about neutral times. So our children have lots of behaviors. So do we, right? <laughs> we have positive behaviors, we have negative behaviors, and we have ne- behaviors that are neutral, right? So do our children, everybody does. So those negative behaviors are the behaviors that, that are a problem for us, are a problem for our family or our classroom or our community. There's an issue mm-hmm. and it's a negative behavior. We've got to deal with it, right? Then there are those positive behaviors, which bring us joy. It's like, yes, more of that, please. Of myself and of the people around me, and the children in my household, and then there's this little sweet spot—the neutral behaviors, which is when they're they're existing, they're participating in behaviors that don't bring us joy or bring us despair. They're just they're just chilling. They're just putting their book back on the shelf, or they're reading a book, or they're moving from one part of the room to another not actively doing anything to get on our nerves or to please us, make us really happy. And those times are really powerful times to connect, right? So this third superpower, third... Sabotage, which could be your superpower, is called forgetting to pant. And this, well, these sabotages actually all come from um, a woman named Joanne Nordling, who uh, wrote a book, Caring Discipline. And she talks about how the, that time, the neutral time, is like a sweet, powerful place to connect with your child. And if we forget to do that, then what our child is experiencing with us is either. Interaction when things are really great or when things are really not so great, right? And we forget to make those connections when they're walking in the room. Do our eyes light up, right? Mm -hmm. It's a simple way to pay attention during those neutral times, right? When we feel them or see them out of the corner of our eye coming into our area, our space, let's. Put down the phone, like actively put down the phone or the book or the laptop or whatever it is that you've got in your hand, or if you're in the kitchen, your knife or your whatever, and you turn and you make a connection, whether it's eye contact, it could be a touch on the shoulder as you pass. So it could be verbal or nonverbal. Ideally, these positive attention at neutral times are brief and nonverbal. Everybody is going to have their own way, their own pant. I tend to be a winker. So my pant go-to is a wink or an eyebrow raise, a gentle smile, right? It doesn't have to be like all jazz handsy. Hey, I'm so <laughs> glad you're here because, you know, that's going to freak everybody out. So when they enter into our sphere and we can pay attention during those neutral times, those are all going to add up right? And it builds what you probably heard of as an emotional bank account. Mm -hmm. So we're making deposits of connection, of positive relationship, of, okay, that interaction felt good with mom, that interaction felt good with dad, or my grandpa, or whatever important adult is in their life,
1: right? I just realized that I stole one of those from my teenage boys. (laughs) Um, they They do this thing where, like, they pass each other, or they, you know, see a friend, and they just do this, like, head nod thing. That's it. That's all it is. And I mean, to me, it's kind of weird, but guess what? I do it now too, because I've been surrounded by it. Uh
0: Uh I love this. This, I mean, just as you're talking about this, I feel my body getting calmer. Yes. And yeah. And it kind of makes me tear up a little bit because it's, it is that precious moment that we forget. And so this reminder is just Mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure I can segue us into the fourth one, but maybe if I talk long enough, I can. (laughs)
1: No, talk less. Talk less. That was number one.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Number one.
1: (laughs) Well, the last thing I wanted
2: to say about panting, is you know, I had a parent who said, oh, yeah, I don't want to forget my pants. It's like, no, you don't. So it's a good way to remember that, right? So when you find that things in general are difficult in your household or in your classroom, and you could stop and go okay how many times have i connected in a positive way during a neutral time sometimes teachers and parents actually count right like let's just get let's just get a base number oh i think i've panted twice with my child today that i don't want that to be so tomorrow before lunch i'm going to pant 5 times or 10 times or whatever it is and then you can actually count so that you can get into the practice. If forgetting to pant is your superpower sabotage, then it will take practice to find those moments of neutral behavior, right? Mm -hmm. To find that those golden moments where you can light up when they enter the room. That's a Toni Morrison, you know, all of us want to have people light up when we come into the room. That's what we want to be seen, to
1: be acknowledged, right? That is such a powerful strategy. What you just said, when things are kind of tough and stressful in the family or in the classroom humans we have a tendency to we withdraw from unpleasant things we don't like to be in unpleasant situations so sometimes we inadvertently pull away from our kids which gives them the message that they're a terrible person and it escalates so without literally saying a word we can just try that one thing for a day or two and right. see if it makes a difference Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of Furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on HomeThreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to HomeThreads.com onboys You can get a code for 15% off your first order because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live.
2: You know, I've seen it make a difference. Absolutely. I've seen it make almost an immediate difference in, I'm thinking of a particular classroom, one day of the teacher shifting because she had already been, you know, she said she was feeling beat down and there were so many negative behaviors and she was having a hard time Mm -hmm. finding the positive and the neutral times. I mean, just being human, sometimes we get to a place where we, it's like, there's nothing positive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's all negative. We're fighting all day long. But when you can turn your attention to it and your awareness and some mindfulness to it, they're everywhere and you'll see them. They're these small little brief moments, Mm -hmm. you know, true, brief, genuine, authentic, nonverbal is best like that, Mm -hmm. you know, that head nod that sometimes goes with, you know, sup, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a nonverbal greeting. That's Mm -hmm. like not nothing new, you know, a head nod. What's up? Was happening It means I see you you see me I acknowledge that you're there and you know when there's a positive it's hard for your listeners to see but with the head nod and maybe the there might be a wink to it or there might be an eyebrow raise mm-hmm. but those small little micro expressions express I'm happy that you're here I see you and all is right we're good we're safe we're happy and we're just walking past each other in the hallway
0: yeah and I'm guessing this might work really well with your partner as well. Are you kidding
2: me? Yes. yes. Ask my husband. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: when things get difficult, hmm. How, how often have I panted? Have I forgotten mm. my pants?
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Time Our, to move on to number four. Okay, that could go a
0: whole different direction. Let's move on, Amy. <laughs>
2: Okay. Well, the next one is negative scripting where we find ourselves saying what not to do and to stop that and what's the matter with you and how could you and we just find ourselves going to the negative. Now, remember, all of these sabotages are learned behavior. So, you probably have had an ex- all of us have had experiences as children growing up and even as adults now that don't work for us anymore. Or we decide, no, I don't want to do that anymore. That's how I was raised by, you know, a powerful, influential person in my life. I'm going to not say that. Like the things that you hear yourself about to say, you know, yes. And you go, oh, my gosh, that's my great aunt, Dottie. I'm going to not say that. (laughs) I'm going to instead say something different. So we have to be a little bit of our own um, script writers, if you will, like hear ourselves saying it. You know hear ourselves saying what's wrong with you or how could you and then deciding nope what else can i say <laughs> instead of that yeah. so first is to notice well one first is to notice any of these sabotages And the negative scripting is to notice and hear what it is that that's, what is that script? What is that phrase that we're saying? And how can we instead say, use positive descriptions? What we, laundry goes in the basket instead of quit throwing your stuff all over the floor. Oh, laundry goes
0: in the basket, the basket. As you're saying this, Amy, I'm remembering being a kid and my dad's greeting to us kids was, what's wrong? I remember thinking there's nothing wrong, but that was his, that was his standard greeting.
1: What's wrong? It trains you to look for what's wrong then, because you know, that's going to be dad's question. So I guess I got to have something to tell him. Exactly. Yeah. So you're coming up
2: to the house going, okay, what could be wrong?
1: "Mm, Okay. So you have it ready. Right. Right.
0: And I've spent, you know, pretty much my entire adult life. What can I say instead? How can I be positive? And and to the point of being called Pollyanna, so there's that, but that's okay. I'd rather land on that side than the what's wrong side. Right, yeah.
2: Yeah, and when we shift that negative scripting to something that's more positive and that takes practice, Mm -hmm. all of these take first to identify which where does our superpower land? And then what steps do I wanna take to make a shift? right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm talking again. Oh, there I am. Permission to stop mid-sentence. Permission granted, if you need permission to just shut up, to just stop. Because get this, when you're talking, 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 they're not processing. They're not listening. They shut down anyway. Mm -hmm. So they (laughs) probably won't even notice that you stopped talking True. (laughs) (laughs) mid-sentence. Done it. Done it before. Um, The same thing with procrastination. When we feel ourselves and we notice ourselves doing that, Deep breath and then take the step to initiate a conversation, not a fight, but a conversation that could be true and brief, right? As
1: you are looking at, you know, yourself, your life, your interactions with your children, Mm -hmm. likely what will happen is you will at first notice these things after you've done them. Oh, yeah. And then you may be inclined to beat up yourself. Oh, I did it again. I was not going to do it. I did it again. But that's part of the process. First, it's you sort of recognize it after you've done it mm-hmm. and give yourself grace, breathe all those things that you said. And then as time goes on, you may get to the point where you recognize, oh, I'm in the middle of doing it. Yes. Stop. It's a process. This is yes. not something that you are going to be able to implement perfectly tomorrow. Mm hmm. Mhm it's a place
2: when we're in that middle part that you're just talking about our children can see us making a switch and making a change so what we're doing we're doing a lot of things but one is we're role modeling to our children that you could be in the middle of a mistake and stop and shift reset so that oh, it gives them permission when they do that thing that they could shift too Right. Mm-hmm. When they are procrastinating, doing their homework or procrastinating, calling their stepdad, you know, that they can go, OK, there I'm procrastinating. Right. So depending on the age of your child, you can enter into a conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. I've had conversations with my daughters who are now adults, but when they were teenagers, we talked about these. And I said, OK, which one do you think is mine? Immediately, they said talking and talking. Was, what?
0: <laughs> Click. let's talk about that let's talk about it <laughs> okay Amy number five what is it oh the number five
2: okay this is kind of super top secret but it's often the biggest one that influences all of these and it's the idea of our own unmet needs and often they are hidden right Ooh. so as the adult in this situation what needs of mine are not getting met do I feel physically safe? Do I feel emotionally safe? Do I have, do I have food in the cabinet? Do I have the security of that? I know that I know where my next meal is, right? So you probably are starting to think, oh, that sounds like Maslow a little bit. Yeah. Well, beyond that, do, has your, has your need for a sense of belonging been met? Do you feel like you belong where it is that you are? Do you have the um, do you, the need for being loved unconditionally for just being who you are. Has that need been met? Right. Is there a place where you feel like, ah, oh, I can do things. I have a place where I can contribute, you know, the need for um, to contribute is up there mm-hmm. and that need for oh, all is well, because I have all of my needs met. Mm-hmm. Now it's interesting because we can be anywhere on kind of that, uh, pyramid, if you will. And sometimes in our lives, sometimes during the day, some needs need to be met more than others. We've all heard of the idea of being hangry, right? So our need of being fed (laughs) hasn't been met. So we're not going to be on our game when we have, when we don't have that need met. So it's kind of, it could be a hidden unmet need. Has, have any of you ever like gone throughout the day and you're like, oh, shoot, it's two o'clock and I really need to have some protein in my body. Mm -hmm. No wonder I just came out of that meeting or I had that interaction with my child or my partner that or that call with my sister that was just a little uglier than I wanted it to be. Oh, I need to eat. I need to drink. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need to go to the bathroom. I need to go for a walk. Right. Um, So the idea of your own unmet needs. Right. And sometimes they're hidden right? Mm-hmm. Some the more complicated ones of you know the sense of being loved, the sense of belonging can be more complex to be met, right? And mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so oftentimes it takes our community uh, that we surround ourselves with to help us figure out what that is, right mm-hmm. And it takes some self-reflection and some real honesty to go, okay, I'm not feeling really safe here. What can I do differently? Mm-hmm. Okay, how can I make how can I feel more like I belong in this space?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it could be small shifts that you can make for yourself because you are responsible for yourself.
0: Oh, the deep work of parenting, of being human on this planet.
1: That one is a hard one for so many parents for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which once we become parents, we're so often uh, we focus externally. We are focused on our children. So we are focused on they're not listening, they're biting, they're hitting, they're disobeying. I need to solve that problem. And what I hear you saying is that it's okay to pull back the focus. That doesn't have to be the focus of anything. It is not selfish. It's not wrong. It's not bad parenting to look at what you need and to take even tiny little steps to get that because ultimately that is going to empower you to more effectively deal with your children and whatever the issues are. Right, more effectively and with more respect and with more patience
2: and with more love and authenticity and all those good words that we want to have as parents, right? Um, It's the most respectful thing to do for others is to respect yourself first, right? Mm -hmm. So that you have a full cup to give from, you have full awareness, right? You're fully present and fully authentic. And we can't do that. We just can't until we've taken the time to feed ourselves emotionally, Mm -hmm. physically, Mm -hmm. spiritually, whatever it is that is important to you, the way that you refill or rejuvenate, renew. And that's going to be different for everybody. Solitude is the way that I refresh and renew for me, right? Mm -hmm. My husband, he's an extrovert. So the way that
1: he refills is to
2: go be with people
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Janet, I know what yours are. Do you? Yep. I am going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to guess pickleball. <gasps> yes. And I think your biggest one is, is time in nature.
0: Absolutely. You know me so well. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a few years, right? Yes. And you as well, Jen. Walking with your dogs. That's where I see you out in nature. Time in nature. That
1: cup. and journaling. Yep. Those are like two things that if I don't do them, it ends up showing up in every aspect of my life. It's harder
0: to stay regulated. absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So you have helped us get out of our own way. I love all of these superpowers, quote unquote, superpowers. And uh, I, I'm back to the list though. Here's the kids saying, not obeying, not listening, running off saying horrible things, you don't love me. I mean, what doesn't grab a parent's heart? Stranger right. than that. You hate me, I hate myself. You know, now that we are out of our own way as, as parent, how do we support our children in their times of dysregulation and difficult behavior and especially in a way that does not blame or shame? hmm mm-hmm.
2: That one can be very difficult. It's especially difficult if we are not at our best, right? Mm -hmm. So getting our own unmet needs met is important. And there are times when it hits the fan and things are falling apart at night and you're just not at your best, right? And things fall apart. So when those happen, like the first technique that comes to mind is the idea of narrating or sports casting. Janet Lansbury talks about this as well. When you name what it is that you see, ah, you were so mad at me because your rain boots are, or they have a split in them and won't be able to wear your glittery rain boots. And you're really mad about that, Mm -hmm. you know, and match that tone without being patronizing which can be that which can happen so being mindful of that and oh I know you really wanted to wear those rain boots and you're really mad at me right now mm-hmm. yeah and you're you're not my mom or you can't tell me what to do or the door slams ah. or you know the fist comes up mm-hmm. <laughs> or they're about to scratch us or hit us right mm-hmm. So when it comes to a safety thing like that, we can use that beautiful phrase. Oh, you were so angry. I won't let you hit. I won't let you hit me. You really feel like hitting. I won't let you hit. Mm -hmm. I won't let you scratch, punch, break that. Right. And then as best we can get in there to help make that not happen. Right. So if it means, if it means holding their hands in a way that's, uh, that's firm, but not harsh. I talk about using popsicle stick hands when you're directing, physically directing your child to go into the bathroom or wherever it is instead of the uh, lobster claw hands, because mm-hmm. that can easily hurt a child when we don't mean to. Right. Mm-hmm. And if we're dysregulated and we're jacked up, then that grasp around the wrist is going to be harder than mm-hmm. we mean to so popsicle stick hands to imagine um, that your hands are like popsicle sticks um, that that helps. But narrating what it is that we see, what might be you're angry because that, you know, your red ball is broken or you're angry because we had to leave your your playmates house or you're mad because you didn't want to leave school or you didn't want to go to school. Mm-hmm. I get it. And we're going to school <laughs> and it's time to go. So for uh, sports casting narrating what it is that we see when our ch- when our children are you know throwing a tantrum right the fewer words the better remember earlier we were talking about the amount of uh, words that children can process and the right. amount of a typical adult may throw out a child well huh. In their state of dysregulation, their state of upset, the fewer words we can say, the better. Mm -hmm. So those talk, talk, talkers out there, this is a tough one, but you can do it. It takes practice and you can do it. So the fewer words, you're, you're angry. I get it. Mm -hmm. And then we don't have to say anything more. Our bodies are not of our head. Our neutral stance can speak volumes. I'm here. I'm going to keep you safe. And I'm not going to let you hit your sister or, you know, squeeze the cat's face. I'm not going to let you do that. And mm-hmm. I've already said that I'm not going to do that. So I don't have to say it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is for typically developing children, right? Yes. Some children may need another word cue if if necessary. And, and you'll know that uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. Mm -hmm. So we could say that non-verbally, and some children may need to hear the short, true brief reminder of, I'm right here.
0: I'm thinking about what teacher Tom said about the emotional arc, and your child in this moment needs to finish their cry. They need to finish that emotional storm, whatever it might be. So allowing that to happen, and you might be in the middle of the parking lot or the grocery store. And it's okay. Right. Right. Maybe we should have like little slips of
2: paper that says my child is finishing their emotional arc that we can get out to all. Oh my gosh. I love it. They're judging us looking like what kind of mother, what kind of father is that person? Is that person hurting that child? I'm going to call the manager. Yeah. Just say emotional arc. Here's a website. Right.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Your judgment.
0: You know, we feel like we're being judged by those other parents, but those other parents in reality are like, hey girl, been there, done that, feel you, you know, right. they really are in in solidarity and support. Yes. Many, many times. Have have any of us or
2: maybe all of us given the you know the nod to a parent who is in it? Absolutely. absolutely. Like um,
1: absolutely, because I don't think you're a bad parent. At all. If if anything, I'm kind of glad it's not me today. (laughs) And my heart goes out to you because yeah, that sucks. It sucks.
2: (laughs) And can we can we give a nonverbal or a a, some sort of gesture like you got
1: this? Yeah,
2: this it'll pass. Mm -hmm. You know, you got
1: it. You know, part of this is we parents have to break down this idea that being good parents mean that our kids are well behaved all the time. That's that's Uh not what it is. Good parents have kids who misbehave, who don't listen, who run in a parking lot, who hit. This is all totally developmentally normal. So if you're dealing with it, you're a good parent.
2: right it's their work of a child to figure out what is the world about right? Just like they figure out what watermelon tastes like by putting it in their mouth, what this feels like when I pet my cat. They are also learning all of those social norms, right? Can I hit my sister? Can I throw this bowl down when I'm angry, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're seeking guidance for, okay, what's this social thing that I'm trying to figure out in the world? What's expected of me as a human in my household, in my culture, What are the expectations? Because it's going to look, it's going to look a little different from culture. And it
1: almost always, I'm going to rephrase that. It always takes more than once. Mm -hmm. You don't one time have to say, don't hit your sister or we don't hit. It takes multiple times.
2: Right. They're learning how to um, manage those big emotions And often for younger children, those emotions that we might experience and go, oh, okay, I'm just mad or I'm just frustrated. And we could get to the nuance of that. To a young child, it's extreme anger. And that can be really scary. Mm -hmm. It is really scary for a young child to feel that big emotion and not have the tools yet to, to take a deep breath. So often I've seen young children who, once they learn the tools of, we call it smell the rose, blow the candle. So you have one, your first fingers up and you smell one finger and you blow the second finger, smell the rose, blow the candle. Mm -hmm. And it teaches children how to take deep breaths. And if they don't know about that, they don't know. So they're experiencing this big emotion and they really don't have an idea that this will end.
1: Is there Mm -hmm. an
2: insight of this discomfort, this uncomfortable feeling that feels kind of big and scary, Mm -hmm. right? So that's where we as adults with our nonverbal and our short, true and brief exclamation of I'm here, you're angry, you're frustrated, you're so sad, you're upset, right? So we're giving some words to the emotion that we can see on their face Mm -hmm. or in their body and what they're expressing. Mm -hmm. So we're, you know, we're building some vocabulary, Right, yeah. and they they'll let us know. Right, as they become more emotionally articulate and um, experienced, when we say, "Oh, you're so frustrated," they'll say, "No, I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm you know insert word here." Mm-hmm. So they they will let us know when we're off. Yeah, yeah. not sad. I'm mad. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay? No. and I think this is so important. This building of emotional vocabulary, and I do really want to highlight that place of you know our young children every day is new every feeling is new every you know that the child whose mom I talked to this week whose blood-curdling scream for 20 Mm -hmm. minutes he's in it and he does not know that it's going to end because our kids are in the present they're not forecasting what's in the future so and that's so scary Yes, because you're locked in this blood curdling scream and don't know how to get out of it. Right. So helping them to see this, you know, this will end. I've got you. You did it when it's over.
2: And it time of calm. Remember when you were so upset yesterday (sighs) and we took some deep breaths together and you felt better? You did it.
0: You did did it. it. That's such a good reminder to revisit it. So, I'm curious. I want to make sure we get this in because I know our our listeners want to know what about our children who are saying things like, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I hate you, Mm -hmm. you don't love me, I have no friends, all of these phrases that just turn the knife in our hearts as parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do we support our children who are? exclaiming these things all that all that mean stuff
2: that's coming Mm -hmm. out at us right Mm -hmm. well it's actually a testament to their deep relationship to us and our their connection to us right that they feel safe enough to say i'm furious at you i hate you that's a big thing to say right Mm -hmm. and often those words don't come out unless they feel safe enough to say them I'm gonna say I hate you, and then I'm gonna watch for you to remain and to not crumble and to not disappear. So I'm testing to see how safe am I. How secure am I. So when mm-hmm. I say I hate you or your hair looks ugly or you're really fat, I mean, they'll say they'll they'll know what oh they
0: know <laughs> don't say.
2: Yes, your gray roots are so long, Mom. I can't tell you how. Heard that and it was like a knife. Yeah. Oh, Okay. And thanks. Thanks for letting me know. Right. <laughs> yeah. So when they when that kind of um expression is expressed, it's often a a testing of the social waters to see, can I depend on you? I'm pretty sure I can, making sure again, mm-hmm. making sure again. So it gives us the opportunity to remain consistent as consistent as possible, I know you're so mad and it's time to go to school. Would you Mm -hmm. like to go, would you like to walk to the car holding my hand or beside me? Would you like to carry your backpack or your lunchbox? And I'll Mm -hmm. carry the other, right? So offering some choices, two choices that are both okay for you. And we're doing this right. Clear, confident, comfortable. Again, Janet Lansbury, I have a huge professional crush on her, but (laughs) talks about the idea of being uh, when you offer those limits in that direction t- to remain calm, comfortable, and
0: confident. Confident, yep. And yeah. I, I often tell, liken it to, you know, we would never let our kids go in the car without a seatbelt. Never. We just that's don't. Right. So right. when you feel that confidence, that's what you want to feel with all of your decisions. Yes. Your Is that kind of like matter of fact? This is how it is. We're getting in the car. We're going to
1: school. That's why those comments are so uh, hurtful and throw us for such a loop though, right? Whatever kind of confidence you have developed as a parent, when your kid is saying to you, I hate you. I hate myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, your confidence, I don't care how big it was. Your confidence starts crumbling in that moment. Mm -hmm. You question everything.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So what about the kid who is more self-directed in their in their commentary like the I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I don't have any friends. I mean, we don't want to say, "Oh, yes, you do," and we don't want to disregard what they're saying. "Oh, you're not stupid, you're not dumb." No, that does not does not land.
2: Right. Well, it depends on the context. Um so I'm curious, I would like to know, I would love to know more about what the context is and the age of the child, Mm -hmm. Um, because it could be that they really, and when they're, you know, reaching older elementary, middle school, high school, we all had those moments where we felt like, I don't have any friends. Mm -hmm. I suck. No, this is terrible. And we just, we have done that as humans. And developmentally, that's a time when children are moving away from the adults and moving to their peers. So the, the peer relationships are much more important than the adults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we could say, oh, you're not, you have friends. Or we might say, I'm your friend, which is kind of loaded. Right. And the child's like, yeah, but that doesn't matter. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Clearly mm-hmm. you don't understand.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll give you specifics. This boy is nine. He's in a new school this year. And he is consistently every night at bedtime, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm the dumbest one in the class, all those Mm -hmm. self-sabotaging comments.
2: Yes, yes. So do you think it's more academic? Like, does he feel like, oh, all of my classmates know
0: how to do that, and I don't know how to do that yet? Is it that kind of, I'm stupid? Yeah. I I mean, I think he is comparing himself. He's nine. So he's having that awareness in the world of of other people. I think, you know, his confidence is a little wobbly right now. And just to speak to it in that way, Mm -hmm. rather than you're not stupid, you're not dumb, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is what the parent's natural tendency is to, you know, oh, no, you're not.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I
0: think stepping into that place of let's look at this. And again, age appropriate. Right. It's really hard on us as parents to hear our kids self-hating. Sure. I, I like a phrase, tell me more.
2: Mm-hmm. So you can find out more about what the context is for this child and what what is the full experience as much as they'll share with you at age nine. Right. Mm-hmm. I would be curious to, you know, to connect with the teacher and find out is my child, we were coming off of a pandemic when we were learning online, some learning much more successfully than others, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that could absolutely be something that colors what's happening now. Mm-hmm. He, the child may really feel like, I don't know how to do that. I missed a year and a half of school and now they're doing, you know, long division.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. do that. It sucks.
2: Yeah. So well, I, I love me- it future I think it would be really helpful Mm -hmm. and then asking the child tell me more Mm -hmm. and reminding the child of what they do do well maybe not in that moment because in that moment they're in the I can't do anything well space Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but during maybe those neutral times you could start a conversation hey can you would you would you show me that whatever that soccer technique or that Mm -hmm. whatever it is that they do well, invite them to teach you or to teach someone else, right?
0: Highlight that what they can do well. Mm -hmm. Oh man, Amy, I love all of these. You, I, I hope our listeners will listen to this more than once. Because there is so much gold in this conversation. You have shared the practical, like on on the ground, what are you going to do in this moment kind of techniques along with that inner work that we have to do as parents so that we can show up for our children. You can't escape that. Can't Can't escape escape it. And I'm curious what your, this might put you on the spot, What is your number one go-to if you had, you know, five minutes with a parent? Do this. This is the thing. This is the the phrase. This is the... Uh, Positive
2: attention at neutral times. Yeah. Making those connections that are brief and nonverbal as frequently as possible and with as much authenticity. So it can be authentic when it's really short. Otherwise, it gets it can get kind of sappy and disingenuous, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But remembering to light up when they enter the room. Not all just right.
0: your children, but your part, all the other Everybody. people. Everybody, the person in the grocery store. So listeners, put your pants on. Let's get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't forget laughs> thank, your, <pants. laughs> thank you so much for being with us. Tell our listeners where they can find you. Oh, wonderful.
2: You can find me at amywilliamsacademy.com. Um, it has all the services that I offer and the classes that I have available for parents and for educators.
0: Oh, Amy, thank you so much for this conversation and all of your valuable wisdom. My um, pleasure. My pleasure. I hope I get to come back again. I'd love to keep talking. Part two. Here we go. <laughs> Jen and I hope you have found many, many valuable strategies and inspiration from this conversation. Don't forget about Cozy, the app that allows you to stand in the grocery store and think, what are we having for dinner tonight? Open up a recipe, there's all the things you need to get, and all you have to do is buy it and take it home and fix it. So simplifying meal planning with Cozy, C-O-Z-I, the app that is going to simplify your life. We are on Boys Parenting Podcast. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend, share it with a teacher, and we will continue to grow our reach globally. Thank you so much for being our loyal listeners. I am Janet Allison with Jennifer L.W. Fink, and we are on Boys. Thanks for being here.